As soon as our little bride's room party was ready for the temple ceremony, we all flowed out into the main crowd of worshipers. Monty was ahead of me in the throng, surrounded now by all three of my brothers. Like everyone else entering the temple service, these four wore white shoes, socks, pants, shirts, and ties. I thought they looked like angels. Across their arms, they draped articles of ceremonial clothing to wrap around themselves during the upcoming ritual's appropriate moments. The most eccentric of these regulation accessories, a green satin apron sewn into the shape of a fig leaf, was dangling very low off Monty's arm, like a long streamer off the body of a philodendron. We filed quietly into the cavernous creation room, where huge and staid murals depicting the creation of the earth loomed above the pews. Temple workers played God, Jehovah, whom the Mormons believed was born into the world as Jesus, and the archangel Michael, who became Adam, three separate beings who seemed to be in the process of creating the earth together. This first part of the service was a dramatization of the belief in the plurality of gods. The temple workers were not good actors. They appeared to be merely reading their lines. Even after the story turned to the tale of Adam and Eve and the serpent, my attention wandered. When instructed to do so, I tied on, almost unconsciously, my own green apron, a symbol of the fig leaves that had first clothed Adam and Eve. I came to life only in the moment when Elohim asked Eve and the women in the congregation to promise to obey their husbands in all things so long as their husbands obeyed God. I had known that some heavy pledges would be required of me today, and this one, known as the law of obedience, was the first. I made the promise easily. Next came the law of sacrifice, where we covenanted to give up all we possessed, our lives if necessary, in defense of the church. Now we were getting somewhere. Elohim had just instructed his onlookers to learn to perform a grip, a special handshake that he called the first token of Aaronic priesthood. Everyone had practiced the handshake with a neighbor, and now Elohim was asking us to make a sign, as though we were slitting our throats from ear to ear, to signify the penalty for revealing this handshake to anyone on the outside. All around me, as nonchalant as though they were yawning, a hundred smiling Mormons in white were drawing their thumbs across their jugulars. The jarring moment passed, and we all followed along to the next chapel, which was called the Lone and Dreary World Room. It was painted with flat faces of desert scenes. We were to believe these were the sorts of surroundings Adam and Eve had called home once they'd left the garden. Here, the play continued. We learned the sign of the nail. The name seemed to allude to the crucifixion, and the gesture was a matter of pressing index fingers into each other's palms. We learned the sure sign of the nail, a hand clasp wherein we linked little fingers and pressed our other fingers against our neighbor's pulse. I practiced both of these exercises easily with the happy bride beside me, wondering a little why I needed to know them. The penalties to be extracted for revealing the new maneuvers were by now much harder to get through. My stomach flip-flopped as, in unison with my brethren, I acted out cutting out my heart. Then, a strong slash, low on the abdomen, to disembowel myself. 